everyone this is prashant and i'll be host for the vc 10x podcast and today we have sanjay nath with us sanjay is a co-founder and managing partner at bloom ventures bloom typically invests in pre-seed to pre-series a startups and has built a large portfolio over the past decade holding positions in edtech firm and academy quick commerce platform dunzo micro mobility startup yulu among many others Recently Bloom announced the close of a 250 million dollar India focused fund. In this episode we'll talk about Bloom's origin story, focus of the new 250 million fund, secret behind Bloom's success, contrasting US and India startup ecosystems, why this is India's decade, common traits in founders that win over and over again, is a co-founder really necessary, perspective on exits learnings mistakes made along the journey and a lot more just one last thing before we start if you haven't subscribed to vc the next year please do and give us a five star rating if you find value in this episode now let's start Hey Sanjay, so good to have you on the VC Tenx podcast. How are you doing? Uh, good evening, Prashant. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. Yeah, pleasure hosting you, especially at this time when you've just announced the close of your fund number four. So many congratulations on that one. We all know where Bloom stands today, right? Everyone knows it's 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 a big name in the startup industry, especially in India. Let's start this conversation. Talk about where did all this get started? What's the origin story of Bloom? Uh, and also a little background about yourself how you got into starting bloom ventures absolutely you know it's it's always uh, it's always interesting to talk about the genesis and the story uh, you know and the story we started so you know i'll call myself a um, accidental vc in the sense that uh, you know just coming to background i'm a bombay boy you know the first time i went out was to bitspilani uh, you mentioned you're in delhi so quite close to delhi uh, you know always it was always sold as it's equidistant from delhi and jaipur so you have to take the train or bus to either one of those places and then make it from there and then uh, you know i've been then i was in the us for quite a while uh, i was not exposed to venture or startups at all um, i was a management consultant with pricewaterhousecoopers but i was in silicon valley you know so uh, that does influence you and it was actually part of uh, the boom and the bust uh, you know in, uh, around the turn of the century so obviously for some of our younger viewers who are just getting born around then the millennials uh so kind of saw that from the outside and uh, uh uh the first brush with uh venture and startups was to the mumbai angels the group where i met my co-founder kartik reddy and uh, kartik's background also similar in the sense you know engineer mba and spent time in the us and went back uh the us just like india being a vast country we didn't know each other even though our paths had crossed and at some point around the turn of the century we were both in san francisco and we may have seen each other in the streets Uh, like you sometimes think um and uh, uh uh and that was the start uh the idea was very much a uh, you know what is called a, a super angel fund or a you know or a micro vc a you know like a seed index fund and that's how we started but uh, for me the uh, the the start was really you know navit tiwari at mobi and his co-founders one of the first investments of the mumbai angels where i was very intrigued where uh the first wave of i would say the first wave of entrepreneurship had started you know junior of uh, mine uh, funny uh, funny sum of redbus had started redbus and then avnish and suvir had started bazi and i was very intrigued uh because i have a us lens of how some of these founders especially the bazi founders had come back from the us from the silicon valley from the land of innovation 
and were seeking to build something in India, you know, not not here. And I was very intrigued and it's just so worked out. And that was the genesis why I decided to move back. Karthik had already moved back from the US and we started. So I w- it, it wasn't the traditional path where, you know, you've been a VC in the Valley and you come back to, uh, you know, try and replicate the same in India. But it was uh, actually the Mumbai Angels, uh, you know, far away from Silicon Valley. Uh, that was the birthplace of uh, Blue. Yeah, that's a very interesting story. And uh, since you have just recently announced the close of Fund 4, which is a $250 million fund. So uh, what will be the focus of this new fund? Yeah, uh, you know, uh, we've uh, we've stayed quite uh, true to our, uh, stuck to our playbook, which is really essentially, uh, you know, being that first institutional check. Uh, and so I'll, I'll just break it up. Secretarily, we would do about 60% what we call built in India for India, which is really the India story, back in the India story, uh, true transformative sectors. So, uh, you know, broadly consumer internet, but fintech, agritech, edtech, uh, you see the team also writing a lot about this, you know, Sajid Pai, uh, you know, writes a lot. Uh, he's our, uh, you know, resident uh, sort of thought leader, writer and VC, uh, come VC. And uh, of course, uh, fintech is very transformative. And then the 40% is what we call you know, built in Bangalore, Gurgaon, Pune, uh, Chennai uh, for the world, which is really deep tech, uh, IP-led, uh, SaaS, enterprise SaaS-led uh, global markets. So secretary, it's that. Uh, our core has moved up, the core check, uh, if you will, you know, the core check that you cut, because if you look at it, we've become so much more of a robust and mature eco- uh, economy and industry. You have two ex-founders, seasoned founders coming out from Freshworks on the SaaS side, from Flipkart on the consumer side, uh, from so many of the you know IPOs that have happened. And so the the second-time founders are raising larger rounds. And uh, uh, also, you know, since the you know quote-unquote winters here, you some of them also want to raise one and or raise once and get back to building versus just keeping on the road all the time because it's immensely time-consuming, you know, to be on the road. Uh, ironically, you know, we would love the VC community all needs to m- move much faster and cut uh, back companies, but we take our time and it's very time consuming for the founders. So I think, you know, we want to be cognizant of that. So uh, sectorally, pretty much the same, this 40-60 split uh, and check wise, the check size has moved up to about 2 million, but we also actively support companies in the earlier stages. We have a formal program, uh, which we manage, we call it the early stage network program and uh we will all also back companies just to help them and get them started and then look at them in later rounds. Right, absolutely. And uh, since Bloom is like such a big name in the VC industry, uh, now not just in India, but globally, and what do you think have you done differently than the other VC firms? Because now I believe uh, Bloom is about a decade old a VC firm. So what, what do you think you did differently in the initial stages of uh, the firm that has made you come to where you have come to right now? Yeah, you know, um, uh, you know, a word we see being used a lot is, you know, what is a founder's superpower? What's a VC superpower? What's the secret sauce? I think for us, uh, uh, you know, a lot of people also throw around this word of being founder friendly. Um, we uh, we looked at it like with the first principles lens and said, how do we design this around the founder? How do we help founders? And I think one uh, part that's differentiated about us is our platform. So it's interesting, right? It's quite a tricky uh, sort of a math problem because uh, the smaller that you are, uh, uh, the earlier stage a founder is and the smaller the fund is, the more help uh, the founder needs, uh, but thus uh, the lesser fees that you have, right? You have less to spend on things beyond investments. But we spent very early on, Kartik and I made a couple of recce trips. We met folks like First Round Capital, we met tech stars in the US, we met Andreessen Horowitz, 
And we just uh, were very intrigued by the idea of a platform. You know, everybody talks about smart capital. So we said, if we can design a platform and actually have a lot of non-capital functions also uh, to help the founder, that's really what they need, right? If you think about it, if you dive into it, board meetings are not really, I mean, of course, they're value added, but it's more of updates and discussion. But the real secret sauce happens in that time, you know, between board meetings, right? How are you rolling up your sleeves and helping them? And, uh, you know, when I was at IBM, I was at PricewaterhouseCoopers, uh, PwC for about four years, IBM acquired it. So I spent about eight years across it. They kind of invented the concept of on demand. And uh, one of the lines was they would go to enterprises and say, uh, we'll uh, we'll fix your mess for less. That will, you know, we'll do your mess for less. And if you think about it, like a startup managing, it can be messy. And you want the founders to like the way I think about it. I want my founders to focus on just three things, right? On talent, on hiring, on building product and selling. That's it, right? Nothing else. Now, what about all the other stuff, whether it's taxes, it's compliance, and it's, uh, you know, it's uh, managing your finances, it's reporting uh, uh, everything. Uh, Who's going to help you with that? You don't want to be distracted. So we set up a platform team. I think that is something that is a special different. And it's not easy to do. It's not about throwing money at a problem. You really have to design it from the grounds up and bring in people who are domain experts who really care about that. So I think that's one thing that's different. Uh, Also, I would say that, um, you know, we are also very realistic and we are not prescriptive. And what I mean by that is, you know, uh, uh, a lot of people will look up to us and, you know, because you have like uh, things, but we always remember that we are not running those uh, companies. We are not running the startups. So I think we are very realistic that we are not running the companies and we're not prescriptive in the sense we listen, we're sounding boards. But I think what's different is we're also not telling the founders that this is how you should run it and you know change your business model because you're backing them, right? Uh, uh, if you were running a company, then you'd be doing a startup and not running a VC fund. So I think the platform and a more a less prescriptive and more of a, a, a like supportive uh, orientation is, I think, uh, special about Blue. That sounds like a very all-around and very complete uh, value add process there where you're not just providing the capital, but also handling the grant work for the founders as well. That That's not the core part of the business, right? That's great. And uh, one more thing I wanted to ask is, uh, like whenever a big fund gets raised, uh, this one question keeps getting asked, that the bigger you raise, the bigger you go in your AUM, uh, assets and management, it's harder to return that fund. And I, I know for a fact that Bloom has been able to return even some of uh, the big funds, like previous funds, which were also significantly big. So how would you like to answer that question? Like, will Bloom be able to return this fund as well, which is like $250 million? It's a great question. Um, you know, one of the uh, challenges of uh, venture capital has been that as, like you said, as you, the fund size has become larger, uh, will the size of outcomes support it? Because uh, your size of outcomes have to be proportionally commensurately as large, right? Uh, for us, $100 million uh, going to $250 million now. Um, and if you think about, let's say, if you're shooting for a, you know, 5X, it's a 5X, but the same multiple, but in terms of uh, dollar values, uh, you know, many, many times higher. So a couple of thoughts. I think one is the good part is that it, the Indian ecosystem has matured tremendously. If you think about it, you know, when Karthik uh, and I started Bloom and, uh, you know, Ashish, our third partner, joined us very soon after, uh, one of the questions we used to get on our roadshows is that, you know, uh, why should I care about India? Where are those size of outcomes? You had Paytm sitting for the longest time. You had Make My Trip, but you could literally uh, name them on you know on one hand. And if you look at it, uh, just using uh, the term unicorn, even though it's a bit of a vanity, vanity metric and it doesn't mean uh, everything that uh, you know that people think it is. 
we have we've crossed 100 right so a the volume has increased and also the scale just to give an example right red buses uh, acquisition you know back in uh, back in the day 2008 2009 i don't know I, I don't remember the exact year uh, was 140 million which is a huge uh, number by that uh, you know by at the in that era bazi was acquired by ebay for about 50 million which was huge right something to look at today you have series uh, c's which are uh, you know as as high as that so I think the fact is that the size has increased. That's one. I think the way we'll do it is I think ownership and con- I mean, we, you know, you hear us talking about a lot about that we are conviction capital, which is we become far more thesis driven. Uh, and uh, the reason that's important is uh, we actually, it's not an opportunistic bet. We have a thesis, we map the thesis to the founder, you know, we're going with high ownership and that is important, you know, when you're returning the fund. Um we also have uh, this uh, first principles belief of both uh, nurture and both nature and nurture are required. You know, and so what I will explain what I mean is um, nature is picking, right? So you obviously have. I mean, the founder has to have a great DNA to pick. You know, you can't turn lemons into uh, sort of uh, you know, uh, let's say lollipops, but you have to nurture them. And I think the nurturing comes from you know the mentor ecosystem, the platform to help them to drive them to outcomes. I think the third thing I would say is to become very, very outcome driven uh, to return, to return a large fund. You have to become outcome driven. You have to look at globally. You have to look at all kinds of options, whether they're secondaries, uh, you know, continuity funds, uh, uh, strategics, uh, local IPOs, uh, you know, international IPOs, partnering with corporate VCs, so all of that. Uh, But I think becoming outcome driven and then uh, just making sure that platform is there to help those companies and not like, you know, okay, we back them, we sit there. And uh, that devils in the details, right? That is a really tough part of venture is, uh, so I'll, I'll give you an interesting line. I was talking to a, you know, founder of a private equity firm and uh, said that our, essentially our business is about uh, four, uh, four levels in this value chain, which is really finding, grinding, minding, and harvesting. And if you think about the first, Everybody wants to find, right? It's the most exciting thing to talk about. If you look at media, also writing about it is, right? Oh, ex-Fiplat founders and Freshworks founders get a five crore angel round and then all the angels are named, which is fine. But we need to really focus on the stories and the outcomes, right? Not just these things. So, uh, uh, and then the grinding part is interesting, but the minding, which is the most important, nobody wants to do, right? Everybody wants to move to that next new deal. So I think uh, I think the nurture part is the the real secret sauce, and I think that's the toughest part that will lead to outcomes and uh, differentiate you know these larger AUM funds from the others. Right, and you you mentioned about your thesis and the finding aspect. So uh, when this, I, I believe like uh, there must be a ton of deal flow coming to Bloom since it's one of the biggest firms in, in India. So uh, how do you filter out those pitches that you get, and then how do you evaluate? Uh, those investment opportunities or whether those are good investments to make or not? Absolutely. No, I think great question. You know, because our volume is so high in India, um, I would say that uh, that it's almost like how do you filter out what you don't want to do first? And if you think of, if you think of the power law, you know, like Peter Thiel talks about, how do you quickly filter out what you don't want to and then spend disproportionate time of what you want to? Because I think the challenge in our businesses, it is not a leveler. It is not about equal businesses. And the challenge is the danger we always feel. Oh, you have 100 deals. You know, let's spend five minutes uh, uh, filtering each. And that is not exactly, that's not at all what we should be doing. You know, so the mechanism is we have a large team. 
uh, we've got, uh, I would say one of our uh, most incredible parts is actually the team itself. And we have a young team. The average age keeps on getting younger every year. And uh, we've uh, one way we've done it is by being sectorally specialized. So, you know, we're not, uh, I, we don't, uh, we, we believe that the era of generalization is over and the era of specialization is begin. I mean, starting from my own perspective, you know, I've, I've not, I, I won't say I've moved, but I've moved back to California, moved back to the U.S. because I'm sectorally focused mainly on enterprise as cross-border. And so my sub-team or, you know, my colleagues are sort of built around that. Similarly, you know, like a Sajid Pai would look at marketplaces, at tech, uh, consumer, and, you know, his sub-team is built around that. And that's the way to do it because, you know, you're becoming sectoral experts, but you're still pulling in the best of the platform for Bloom for the others. And we have, uh, you know, every week we're filtering to, and uh, so every lead or every sector is looking at their companies probably, and then they'll invite others to join the calls, very much like the Zoom. Uh, and, uh, you know, you'll have uh, about four founders pitch, you know, uh, sorry, I mean, uh, you know, about five or six teams pitch every week uh, for half an hour. And then, you know, the requisite team members are allowed to join. And I think Zoom is very interesting because it allows, allows you to filter. I mean, think about human nature. It's not even good form. Uh, you can't go to a coffee shop and if you don't like it, you can't wrap up in 10 minutes, right? You can't tell the waiter, don't bring the coffee for both sides. Um, I, I, I actually, this is a really important point I'd like to mention. I think it's really important for founders to equally diligence the VC because I feel it's even more important. Remember, we are spreading our bets. We're doing many deals. The founder is putting their life, his or her life in the uh, hands of the VC. A lot of people feel it's one way street. I feel the other way street is equally sometimes even more important. Uh, you know, is that VC right for you? Are they even looking at your sector? Are, are they... You know, are, are they, uh, you know, sorry to say, but are they killing time because they have to fill out, fill out a, like a logbook that these are the startups you met this week. So uh, I think uh, the filtering is really key. Every VC has its own. Uh, the way we are doing it is by being specialized and uh, by, um, uh, you know, by trying to filter out uh, very quickly what we won't look at and then spending more time on what we will. Yeah, absolutely. I, and I totally agree. I was recently talking to a founder and uh, he was saying that I, I'm going to build an MVP and then go pitch VCs. And I said, like, before you go do that, like, uh, let's have a conversation because there are a ton of mistakes that founders make right at the initial stage when they're going out to race. Because at that stage, like many of the founders are kind of desperate that whatever money we get, it's good money, right? But that's actually not the case. It's the most sensitive stage and you need to pick your VC right at that stage. And that will determine by a great extent whether your company will succeed or not, right? That's a great point. Not only who you pick, but also what structure you do. You actually sometimes see that that's the time the startup is most vulnerable, the most open because they have to get started. That getting from zero to one is the most difficult part. Uh, and Peter Thiel is, you know, uh, title is booking on that. The tough part is not only do you have to pick the right partner, you have to pick the right partner with the right structure because it's like uh, it's like a uh, you know like a relay race. If your uh, shoelaces are untied, or if your you know two, uh, if your if your legs are tied together, uh, even if you start uh, at hundred meters, you're not going to win, right? So uh, you the structure has the structure and the partner has to be set up right from the get go. Very difficult to undo later. Yeah, I totally agree. And now uh, talking about the founder aspect, like since you're investing in the early stages and the decision is a lot based on who is the founder and is, is the founding team uh, the right team to build this and take this to where they want to take this to. Since you've been in this space for over 10 years and you've produced some amazing results as well uh, and you've picked uh, a lot of great founders. So what do you think are the common traits of founders that keep winning? Yeah. 
you know uh, i'll begin with a just a quote i heard from somebody uh, you know just in hindi and it goes like this that somebody said ki sabka sabka suno and khud ka karo right and i'll 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 tell you what i mean by that uh, i think uh, founders the good founders that have uh, succeeded or uh, you know succeed tend to succeed are the ones who are just constantly listening and uh, adapting and adapted uh, you know they uh, they know that they have to improve uh, they look at self awareness they listening to the market customers investors but essentially at the end they're doing what they do uh, they're doing what they and they have to because think about it, if you listen to everybody you'll do nothing you'll be a disaster so i think one aspect which is very critical is they're constantly listening and learning uh, from the market from customers from investors from the peers uh, that i think ability to listen and to be open to feedback is critical um, you know early on i'll give an example if you're a saas founder and your customers telling you almost helping you design your product uh, they are like partnering with you you make them a partner and ally and you design your product you have to be open right you don't say oh no but i started the, with this you know being a let's say a ai platform and you know it's uh, it's a technology but it's uh, you know but i'm not listening to your feedback just you know just some kind of example right so i think constantly listening to feedback uh, uh, is very important um i would say the uh, what we like to do is we also make intros uh, we like to be helpful you know when we meet founders we like to make intros to potential customers to sometimes a couple of micro vcs sometimes just to domain experts and uh, we do feedback loops and we see you know how what they thought about it i think the ability to obviously uh, very passionately convince and persuade of course is important because you know um i think mike maples at floodgate uh, had an interesting podcast and said something very interesting which is stuck by me which is an entrepreneur is a he you know he or she basically paints a picture of the future transports you in a time capsule you know 10 years ahead to believe in that future and then brings you back and then you have to fund it like it's almost making the impossible possible uh, possible how do you do that if you can't convince people i think the most important people to convince are your co-founders uh, co-founders are more difficult to convince than investors and investors because the co-founders with you throughout the day throughout for 10 years investor may exit after 4 uh, 5 years angels may go you know you may get secondaries so i think the ability to convince and persuade with real mission and passion not just a not just being a sales person but mission and passion is very important i think the last one which is very difficult to assess early but is uh are they afraid uh, how comfortable they are you know like when we were starting you said you know sanjay be comfortable right so i will i will use that word how comfortable are they by hiring great people sometimes who are better than themselves and also uh, letting people go who are not performing right now it's very difficult to assess when you see somebody on a zoom or see them in a costa coffee in bangalore or uh, you know uh, your sda in uh, in hoskas uh, how do you kind of assess them right uh, that this small cues actually uh, it's difficult i think the social cues are very important um, you see how they deal with uh, i'll use the word ordinary people right uh, do they uh, for me it's very important how do, does somebody talk differently to me but they ordering coffee will they talk very differently to the waiter how do they uh, very often it's very interesting you do uh, you know you do one meeting on a zoom the other meeting to a restaurant just see and and just as an example just allow them to order right just see how they will interact with everybody around you that gives you a cue of how they will deal with people um this is a people business right which is not which is separate from your domain you have to be brilliant uh, product wise so i think that aspect of how they able to surround themselves with good people because that same orientation will go to her building your board 
let's say a customer advocacy group, advisory council, your first hires, will these people want to come and work for you? Will they respect you? Um, and that aspect. So that I think those that comes with experience sometimes that like you're trying to judge a person, you know, these those traits are very important. Right. Uh, absolutely. And you mentioned about the co-founder aspect that you need to conf- convince your co-founder like on the mission and on ev- everyday decisions that you're making on an everyday basis. So there's one big question that aspiring founders face uh, is a co-founder necessary? Like they have an idea and they want to build it. Is it necessary to find a co-founder? Because there's this narrative that VCs won't fund you until you find a co-founder, right? Uh, Do you believe in that? So, you know, it's a really interesting question. I would say if you look at most startups, uh, almost all startups, storied startups, successful startups, at the end, they're usually associated with one person, right? I mean, um, right from, let's say, Ola, you know, you it's almost like you have a like a rapid fire you ask about Ola, you hear about Bavish. You you know you ask about. Of course, I think Flipkart. Both the answers were there, but you could uh, you know uh, still have the same last name. Uh, but uh, but think about it. So usually it's around or uh, Facebook. Uh, Meta is Mark, right? Uh, you know Elon. The list goes on. That said, I think uh, two things. I think the reason to have a co-founder is not to have a co-founder, but to not drink your own Kool-Aid, right? Think about it. So for example. Uh, let's say you start your company and you're out. It's a, uh, you know, my pin tweet on Twitter is exactly about this. It's an extremely lonely journey at the top. Most people uh, who don't believe you uh, will not tell you the truth. Or uh, sometimes there are people who don't want you to succeed. There are people who want you to succeed. Who's truly in this with you, right? Uh, like, I, I, you know, you know the Forbes, Forbes uh, article has this. At the end, they always have a topic on something. So once it was about siblings, right? And they said your siblings, uh, you know, if you have a sibling, the sibling is the only person in the world who knows what it was like to grow up like you. Nobody else knows, right? Uh, when you have a co-founder, the only person along with you who knows what that journey is. So when you're a single co-founder, I would say, some people say, oh, I'll keep the equity for myself. That's one way of looking at it, right? You know, I've got 80% equity, you share karo, right? I'll share it with the others. The other is that, it's very lonely. Who's there with you to share it? With who's going to? Who's there with you in this journey? You're actually putting, you're putting tons of weight on your own shoulders. On your own shoulders. Who do you have to share it with? Now, sometimes you have four, five co-founders, which I think is, uh, you know, that's sometimes it may be too many cooks files uh, spoil the broth. I think two or three is always right, but I think they have to be very, very complementary roles. So if you look at, uh, let's say, uh, you know, look at Inmobi, look at, uh, you know, look at some of the others. Uh, typically, uh, you know, one person is product oriented, one person is very sales oriented, and one is, let's say, you know, the uh, the face or the people person. But two is good, three is also good. Um, I think it's a lonely journey if it's a single co-founder. That's not to say that there won't be one main co-founder. Of course, there will be always, like I said, right? But uh, I think it's a very lonely journey and it's a tough one to do by yourself. Right, absolutely. And since you are, I believe, investing across the Indian and the U.S. startup ecosystem, right? So uh, I want you to contrast uh, how are these two markets different uh, at this uh, current stage? Absolutely. See, uh, I mean, it's good to look back in history also. Mm-hmm. Um, the U.S. venture capital industry is extremely old, right? We're talking about 50, 60 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I mean, uh, Sequoia has a tree. Uh, you have lots of those valley VCs that are, you know, around trees, where there's redwood and, you know, all those kinds of things, which are trees that, uh, you know, like like sort of perennial evergreen trees, um, and of course we are also you know Bloom, you know helping startups and uh, you know Bloom forever. Um, 
that i think that gap has narrowed if you think about it our industry i would say started in like like about 20 years ago in the mid early 2000s right a uh, couple of aspects i think we didn't have the concept of so they are different i'll, I'll highlight the differences and how the differences have narrowed and changed we didn't really have the concept of uh, you know 2x entrepreneurs season entrepreneurs most of the entrepreneurs who came in were from the services background they were like legends may from service industry the founders of infosys and you know wipro and uh, you know uh, uh, stellar uh, sort of bellwether companies like that if you look at i think that is a huge difference the maturity of you know 2x serial entrepreneurs founders and operators now in the ecosystem that has changed uh and that is becoming uh i don't think we have to be similar to the us at all i think we are very proud to have our own ecosystem and you know and i'll, I'll talk about that i think uh another thing that has changed is uh the the sort of depth and scale of uh, mna and also corporate activity uh in the valley uh corporate vcs and corporates are very entwined and they speak the same language and uh they very often are ex vcs uh, there's a lot of commingling uh pollination between corporates and vcs in india traditionally it was traditional right you had a corporate uh, just like a let's say a mahindra and a reliance and then you had startups and it would be almost like uh, you know 10 years ago like a favor okay let's meet the startup dikte ki kya kya bana rahe right uh, and today if you look at it just see how active jio is i mean jio you could say is arguably the world's biggest startup right corporate startup um tremendous change there right uh, if you look at all the corporate ventures uh, whether it's mahindra reliance startups everybody so i think that's been a huge uh, sea change uh, i think what is uh, what is different is uh, our youth and our cons- massive consumer market right i think we have the i would say the smartest young population in the world i would say our talent to cost ratio is uh, the highest uh, our uh, average age i think blooms a great example average age keeps on getting younger and younger local languages i think differences whether it's dialects uh, our differences become the opportunities i mean start from vernacular content you know we have a company called stage uh, which is you know in, in haryana has paying customers is just doing haryanvi content i mean i think that's staggering and that's amazing right people would say wow i mean uh, you know if you look at my uh, india whatsapp uh, we've got couple paji right on my uh, uh, on the on my whatsapp if you see it i mean he would be honored right he would be so excited wow there's a there's a there's a, a, a you know vernacular content community platform that is just focused so those local opportunities are tremendous and just scale and replicate that across india and uh, i would say that uh, i think on the saas side uh, the average the the acvs uh, average customer value uh, and the sales cycles are typically long and sometimes frustrating for startups but that's also changing right uh, you have like israeli startups today selling deep tech uh, you know solutions to india and we become far more responsive so that gap is narrowed uh, i think ipos uh, you know of course there's been a huge gap in tech ipos between you know between what happens in nasdaq and in india but that's also changing so i would say they're different they should be different we are very proud that our ecosystem is different in india uh, but i think that scale and the next decade should be very exciting absolutely and it it is being said i've heard it many times now that this, this is going to be india's ticket like this this is india's time right now so uh, and since since your new fund is especially india focused so what is your opinion like what makes india the next big opportunity or the next big place to invest yeah so uh, you know I, i talked about it earlier in the discussion if you look at the scale i mean uh, i've lost count but we are more than 100 unicorns today i would honestly tell you uh, i remember uh, there was the india internet day that happens in delhi i remember hans tung of ggv being on the podium and a keynote and 
he's a he's interestingly i mean because they invest though they invest in china and the valley they're actually he's actually a big indophile and uh, uh, he i remember he threw the gauntlet and said that there will be 100 unicorns you know and and there are so i think uh, again i i think youth is inter- i youth is super interesting because it's the consumer segment secondly youth is also the ones who are going to create startups of the future right so i think that demographic is so interesting they incredibly tech savvy uh, you're basically growing up i'll tell you what is really interesting you know when i come back to india and i come often and i see a yulu bike which is one of our portfolio companies amit you know started glance uh, he was excel mobi and i'm you know that's very close to my heart and then you see a nanzo driver sitting on a yulu bike right maybe using a you know uh, like google pay code of course google is a global company but when you, when i see that nanzo driver on yulu a not only is it very dear to bloom but it's dear to india right and then you see the person riding the bike is young the founders uh, of these companies are young and you're basically backing uh, india's youth right uh, so i think that is very very special um uh, also i think in the lockdown what's happened is i mean i don't know what the right word to describe it is not lockdown but um the uh, the remote let's say the the move to remote is that for product led growth for saas especially is booming because today it's shown that you can build these uh, uh, build fantastic software companies from anywhere canva got built from australia uipath uh, you know got built from romania and i think bangalore gurgaon pune are going to be uh, not are going to be already the next stops because you know um, Uh, even if, we, if even if i was in gurgaon my sense is we would be doing this on zoom or on your uh, or forum so today it doesn't really matter right that that uh, the technology is really level that so it's a huge incredible option for india to to build um, and i would say that the other opportunity is uh, in bharat right outside the metros uh, whether it's agritech whether it's impact right today we have companies like stellabs um you know looking at of course uh, you know jai kisan looking at like fintech impact lending i think impact investing uh, and uh, i think interesting trend is impact and private equity meeting venture you know the meshing and happening earlier they've all very different silos right impact investing would be just you know rural uh, uh, private equity would look at like you know infrastructure roads and then venture capital would be just digital and tech but now all these are coming together and uh, i think that is very exciting and we just have the numbers to uh, keep it exciting the last thing i would say is we just have to narrow uh, we have to just get our uh, physical infrastructure much better so that people you know uh, spend less time commuting and spend more time being productive yeah great that you covered the bharat aspect of the india opportunity like since india is a big country and a big market and there there are diverse sets of people and uh, there are like different kinds of product that are going to be built like they, they're going to be enterprise products as well but then there is also a big market in this space that is not very well connected at this point right uh, now uh, we all know uh, some of the names that you mentioned so that are your portfolio companies this tenzo this yulu uh, this unacademy so those those are some of the big names uh, i want you to uh, mention some of the lesser known portfolio companies that are doing some exciting work yeah that's a it's a tough question i was just uh, i'm just thinking about that um, uh, it's like you have a family of 100 and you're you know thinking about the ones that did it uh, no you're absolutely right in one sense on the consumer side uh, you know the big brands are also the ones that have spent uh, and you know are well known of course advertising and ipl and things like that but we have some very interesting companies i think here in the us we have a company called dataweave which is doing uh, digital shelf analytics and uh, what that is really you know here if you have uh, uh, you know like a dunzo or doordash what they're doing is they're helping them 
uh, find out what, uh, you know, what SKUs are selling, what they should uh, stock. Uh, of course, it's more enterprise, so it doesn't really touch the customer, but they're helping, you know, Walmart and everyone sell more. A very interesting company, we back from the first one called DataWeave. Um, I think, uh, uh, you know, of course, LBB is interesting, but it's also known, right, especially known in Delhi, and they just had an, they just had an exit. Let me see who else uh, we have. Uh, we have a company called uh, Tartan Sense, which is doing very, which is doing very interesting work in precision robotics. So they basically help farmers uh, in Indian and, you know, find out exactly there is a, there is a, uh, there's equipment, there's infrastructure, find out exactly, you know, what crops uh, should be sprayed, when they should be sprayed. Uh, you know, Jessima is a Carnegie Mellon uh, alum who came back and is applying robotics to impact, to an impact area of uh, agri-tech. Uh, and then we have some newer companies from, you know, Fund 3 and uh, Fund 4. Uh, of course, we like all our companies to be known. Uh, and I'm sure there are a whole bunch that we are, uh, that we are forgetting. But, you know, the, the, the family is growing. The family is growing and is growing in, you know, very, very different areas. So uh, I'll, I'll, I'll think and I'll come back towards the end if I think of any more names. Sure, sure. Great. And now, uh, again, touching upon one interesting aspect. So w- when you're investing, the end goal is always to get an exit, get to an exit, right? Because that's when you get to that liquidation event, right? And uh, in the current market, it's uh, it's it's an interesting thing, right? Uh, like there are many impending IPOs that are waiting to happen, not happening right now. So w- what's your perspective on that? So I, I want two aspects of this. One is while you're investing, how are you thinking about exits at that point of time? And another another perspective on the impending IPOs. The question is about exits and about uh, like plan, planning planning for exits. Right. It's a great question. I think that has been one of the knocks also uh, on uh, sort of Asia and India venture is that uh, there's lots of scale. There's a lot of uh, paper value, marked up value, but uh, you know where are the exits? And uh, I think that you know I mentioned earlier in the discussion that I think I think as an industry we all try to be a little more outcome driven. And, uh, you know, how do you help these companies get now, if you look at the recent history, especially a company like delivery, I think that is a great example where it's rewarded profitable companies that are, you know, I'm using those buzzwords that are basically built on pretty sound fundamentals. Um, and, uh, if you think of in our own portfolio, like a night, like a purple, right, which has become a unicorn, Manish and Rahul have built a fantastic platform. Uh, that's very focused on a, you know, on a, on a large swath on, you know, uh, uh, cosmetics and going after the women segment. Uh, or if you look at a uh, Shivko building Exotel, Shivko and Ishwar building Exotel, Cloud Telephony. These are, I would say, India plus, you know, pan, pan India, pan Asia companies, uh, solid fundamentals, uh, profitable, uh, not needing constantly. Of course, Purple is in a very, uh, you know, different industry, but these are candidates, right? That could go public. Um, uh similarly on the SaaS side right you know uh locus and logistics SaaS or lambda which is doing global automated uh you know uh, a full full stack testing platform uh they will similarly you know uh no like nobody plans for an m a right you plan to go public and stay independent but along the way if you get a very attractive m a do it i think one change in behavior uh, uh that we're seeing positive changes that this founders startup founders that start along the way they actually become trained and they develop that muscle to kind of operate like uh, public uh, company CEOs. Uh, you know, even today people talk about Mark and the others, you know, they uh, do even top founders 
did they did they know what they were in for right when they took the company public uh, you have to operate it you have to operate quarter to quarter you've got to give wall street numbers and then beat those numbers consistently uh, so that discipline that comes in is helpful you have fiduciary responsibility right to deliver numbers and i think that's changing that's happening uh, the sort of winter has sharpened the attention on that in a good way that uh, there's certain responsibility right to do that so i think delivery and others that are coming up are positive who is not touched by tech today right every single person you know you mentioned you're in delhi whether you're involved in this industry or not knows the brands is ordering something on uh, you know on danzo uh, uh, i know someone uh, i mean today yulu bikes are powering uh, you know the likes of zomato not to deliver they're using oiler motors another one of our companies to do that everybody's touched by tech in some way or knows has a you know nephew or niece who's working for a tech startup or a vc so i think uh, i think the ipo orientation is more important for founders to get that this is a long term journey you start but uh, uh, essentially you should be in this to build a sustainable long lasting company and not think of the ipo as just a flip to return money but really to uh, a new journey starts there so i think uh, the ones that have done it like a make my trip you know deep who's you know poster child and role model from very own delhi there uh, fantastic examples of people who are building very long term long lasting sustainable companies yeah great perspective on that and uh, now my last main question before we move on to our rapid fire round so this one is about what's something that you know now or you have learned now that you wish you had learned at the starting of this venture journey that would have probably saved you some mistakes that you made along the way yeah this is great this could be uh, this could be a separate one hour interview i'm looking at the sort of white hair in my hair and uh, that's where all this has come from from all the mistakes that we made um you know i think one of the things that we did in fund 1 uh, was uh, uh, this is a very exciting business and excitable business so you you have a thesis in the space and i think uh, in some cases you got excited by the first founders that came your way right so you know we had back somebody in the real estate space and you know very storied founder you know came from abroad you know ex consulting background this was in the housing broad space and of course housing failed for other reasons but it's a very big space you know to transform real estate and classifieds and we backed this founder uh, because we liked the space but we just met the first founder so i would say one lesson was that don't back the first founder you see if you like a space meet others contrast them um and i think that's one learning right we just sort of rushed in in one sense you know when you're you're young young you rush in also so i think that's uh, i think that's one um i think the other is to also have this uh, develop this what is called a prepared mind and I, i'll tell you what i mean by that uh, we meet so many startups who are all going after very very interesting but very diverse problems so the prepared mind is really can you have a certain thesis you have a thesis and you just park it there at the back of your mind and you think about for example how should we be thinking about uh, you know like like lending to farmers or how should we be thinking about space tech just to give you two very different examples and then when you come with the startups in that it's like a prepared mind which we didn't have in fund 1 and the prepared mind is really you can kind of put them somewhere in that thesis right you map them they're great founders but if you don't have a thesis then you know then you're backing it a little opportunistically you don't have a playbook so i think that was the other learning that to match that prepared mind which is a thesis with founders right that's important and um i think another part is also uh, you know you don't overfund the company you right size the company at that stage you saw that in some cases like housing.com or the others where you give them too much money whether they're young or not 
we think about you you get money you're going to spend it right whether it is on a friday night a teenager or whoever it is you're going to do it so how do you space that out and uh, you know uh, how do you sequence that i think that's important uh, i mean the, i think the list goes on i think the most important one is to to uh, diligence both sides right that is the most difficult thing that how do you in a very compressed time of time how do you say that this is going to be a partner 10 year partnership so i think uh, i think uh, you know uh, testing them or meeting them in different uh, situations not doing one massive ic and uh, for 3 hours and saying we're going to back it or not back it but tracking companies over time uh, testing them uh, making intros doing feedback loops uh, uh, this is a this is a very uh, people intensive and time intensive process uh, i just say that if you don't like working with people uh, nobody should be in startup it's a people business not a it's a people flow business not a deal flow business everything in startups is to do with people right the later stage you go you start investing in balance sheets so i think uh, building that ecosystem to uh, have your own team members interacting with startups we started with a very small team you can't do it um you know when we backed anirudh and prateek at uh, carbon clean solutions or back gray orange it was a very very small team today we can have separate sectoral experts analysts analyze the space so, you know somebody meets the founders then you do a zoom uh, but those are all uh, interesting learnings but I- i'll tell you there are no shortcuts right there's no the if you don't have if you don't have learnings and if you don't make mistakes then you've just not done anything great so the mistakes are the most interesting parts even the best investors the mightiest list investors will first tell you about all the mistakes they made right absolutely uh, thank you for for sharing those because i believe it's going to help some maybe new investors to save some mistakes and even uh, that that first mistake that you shared that we just bagged the first founder we saw in that space because we were excited in the space i think this kind of applies to the founder as well uh, don't just uh, get funding from the first vc you find like do your own diligence as well which is again a point you mentioned in the episode right no, i i i mean to use a different word you also do your you also do your dating just like the founders just like the investors are dating exactly. multiple thing you also have to do it don't pick the first vc you meet at all because how how do you uh, compare and contrast unless you meet four or five uh, you can't say this is the best vc unless you met four or five and i will say one point when you said about mistakes i think it's also important it's important to learn from the other mistakes but it's very important to make your own mistakes because uh, just imagine you have a young vc tomorrow on this panel and you ask him the same question him or her and she she can't talk about mistakes somebody else has made she has to talk about her own mistakes so i think it is important to make your own mistakes also very true make your own mistakes if you want to have your own answer to this question when i have you on this podcast right great so now moving on to the rapid fire round i'll ask you five quick questions uh, about the fund and you have to give five quick answers sounds good sure all right so the first one is what are the sectors and regions you invest in uh, all india focused i mean uh, also also cross border uh, as long as the india angle and sector would be uh, consumer like 60% and saas or built for global 40% great uh, and what's the typical stage of investment stage is pre seed and seed so you know uh, 2 million and below so anywhere from like let's say 250k to 2 million and where can founders pitch you yeah um, you know i know my tw- twitter is uh, open on dm but i think the pitch form uh, i think you highlighted uh, we have to tweak some of those but the pitch form is is uh, is the best and we'll do that uh, i think info at bloom uh, at vc also they can send it to but we will tweak that pitch form is the best great uh, and the last one is uh, where can our listeners follow you you know i would love to share tweet uh, and write much more i don't get a chance to do that i think uh, i think twitter is probably the best but i would love to take more time for doing things like this and share uh, because we're so busy running on a you know treadmill 
but I think for now, uh, Twitter. Great having you on uh, Sanjay on the podcast. And I loved all the insights that you shared. I'm pretty excited for what you're going to fund next and all your portfolio companies. And let's build this India story together. Happy investing. Absolutely. And absolutely, Prashant. You know, I'll say it's a pleasure to be here. I'd say that all of you play such an important role because, uh, you know, nobody also asks us otherwise about, uh, you know, our learnings and our mistakes because we're always talking and we're always giving quote unquote gyan, you know, to others. But I think it's very interesting to recount that because we also learn about ourselves and about, you know, what's needed. And uh, and uh, congrats on your podcast and your own entrepreneurial experience. And it was a pleasure to be here. Thank you. Thank you. Pleasure hosting you. Thank you.